right, give yourselves a hand. You got out of bed today? Come on, you got out of bed this morning. I know that you feel, you feel like you need a better round of applause than that, right? I know I feel like I need a better round of applause than that. It is the Sunday after Easter, and I like to call this National You Pastored Turn the Cheek Day. No, not funny? Okay. Um, I was a youth minister for 12 years, and now that I've started a church, I realize why I had to speak every Sunday following Easter, because um, it's like the Easter hangover is real for for youth pa- for, for pastors. And um, and now that I've let that secret out of the bag, next year you can judge me when I find someone else to speak for me. Um, that's completely okay. Uh, but I am so glad that I get to speak to you this morning. Uh, because I believe that this series that we're about to start is one that, number one, today's message, let me just get it out, out, out in the open, it's scary. It's a scary message. Uh, but I believe that this, this message is one that um, the series, the whole series, is one that we all need. Uh, we all face struggle in life. We all struggle in life. And because of that, we all need a counselor. And I believe that, that the best counselor to ever live was a man by the name of Jesus. And so um, we're going to get to that in a moment. But before I do, um, I want to ask, so, so recently we were, we were given uh, just a bunch of Bibles from uh, a church in Alabama called Dawson Family of Faith. And, um, and so they gave us, uh, some New International Version Bibles, which is the Bible translation that I read when, I, when I'm speaking most, most of the time. And um, if you're here without a Bible, um, there's no shame at all. We just want to give you a Bible. It's our free gift to you. You can, you can keep it, take it home, and um, put it on your bookshelf. But we, we ask you to read it, obviously. But um, if you need a Bible, just, just slip your hand up. They're going to they're gonna come right around uh, and, and hand those out this morning if and, and again, all it costs you is your hand being raised. You don't have to give it back to us. Um, we're going to give them away until they're gone. So uh, just, yeah, just raise your hand. When, when Jesus lived, there's, there's four books of the Bible that, um, that cover uh, his life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are known as the Gospels. In the Gospels, Jesus is seen asking a hundred questions. And I've never been to a, a real counselor, I like to say, like a psych, psychiatrist. That's what you call those people, right? Um, I've never sat on a couch in someone's office and told them my life story and, and problems. Um, I, I thank God that in those moments of my life that I've needed someone like that because even though I've never been, I've needed to go. Come on. Like, we've all needed to go to a counselor. And uh, in those moments, God has always sent someone, either a pastor or a mentor or a teacher or even just a friend that was able to serve as a counselor for me. And, and so uh, I know enough about counseling. I've studied counseling enough, which... Um, God knows that I've done some counseling, and uh, I know one thing about good counselors. All good counselors have one thing in common. 
they, ha- they have the ability to ask great questions. All great counselors ask the best questions. All great mentors ask the best questions. And so as Jesus lived, one of the reasons why he was the greatest counselor to ever live was because he asked the best questions. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four questions that Jesus asked. Somebody say, hallelujah, that we're not looking at all 100, right? We're going to look at four of them. And uh, the first one today, we're going to look at uh, when we are in a storm, Jesus asked the question, why are we so afraid? This, 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 is, this gets scary. We're going to get there in a moment. The second week, we're going to look at when we're in need of a miracle. If you are in need of a miracle, Jesus asks us, do you believe that I can do this? Week three, when we're facing ongoing challenges, challenges that we just can't get over, we just can't get over, we just can't get over, Jesus asks, do you really want to get well? Do you really want to get well? Finally, in our last week, we're going to look at when we face spiritual doubt. If you have any friends that are just facing doubts in their life, just doubting God, Jesus asks us the question, simple, why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? So this morning we're looking at when we're in a storm, why are we so afraid? And this is the moment that many of you are saying, how does he know my life? I don't. I don't know your life, but God does. And I believe very much that this message is for all of us today. I, I was in, in school, in life, I've learned that if you're, if you're not in a storm, you're about to go into one or you've just come out of one, right? Isn't that the saying? So we can all learn from what we're going to hear today. And when we started the Refuge Church, we actually built our entire vision statement on this thought. The vision of the Refuge Church is that when we make Jesus our refuge, that we never have to be overtaken by the storms of our life. When we make Jesus our refuge, we never have to be overtaken by the storms of our life. If this is our vision, then hopefully our church does a good job at putting tools in your hand to help you overcome those storms of your life. If it's our vision, if we really believe that, then hopefully we do some things to encourage you to make Jesus your refuge so that you can learn or so that you can see, so that we can prove to you that when Jesus is your refuge, you never have to be overtaken by the storms of your life. Now notice, we don't say when Jesus is your refuge, there will be no storms in your life. I think so oftentimes we tend to believe that. All right, I've given my heart to Jesus. I've, I've got a relationship with him, and now everything's going to be good, right? No storms. I wish I could tell you that's true, but later on in my message, we're going to talk about why those storms exist. And so in the Bible, in, in, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 4, we see a story that we're going to observe today. And that story is, is the story of Jesus, and he's sitting on a boat. He's been teaching from a boat all day long at this place called the Sea of Galilee. I've got a friend that just spoke here a few months ago by the name of Seth Baltzell, 
And Seth Baltel likes to call the Sea of Galilee the sizzle of Galilizzle, which spices it up a little bit. But the Sea of Galilee or the sizzle of Galilizzle is this place that Jesus is teaching from, from this, bo- from, this, from this boat. And he's been teaching all day long. And in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. Just as he was in the boat, there were also other boats with him. A furious squall. (laughs) Maybe it's the little bit of southern that I have in my blood, but I just love that word squall. I wish we we used the word squall more often. How much much more fun does a a two, two two feet of snow sound... It sounds so much more fun. I'll get it out in a moment. But if we're going to have a, a winter squall, it sounds a lot better than a bomb typhoon. Right? So that's, that's all I'm trying to say. So this squall is coming, and it says, A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat. So that it was nearly swamped, water in the boat. Now, I know we live in New England off the coast, so the chances of many of you being on water when when there's a squall, many of you have probably been there. I'm I'm from the Midwest, and so uh, when I think of storms, I don't necessarily think of storms on on the ocean. My wife is from Boston, so she tends to think of, of storms rolling in from, from the ocean. But I like to see them rolling in over corn, cornfields. And one of the things that, that I've learned is that, that storms can happen in the blink of an eye. A, a, few, a few years ago, 20 years ago, when I was a senior in high school, feels like a few years ago, doesn't it? Um, I was, it wasn't quite 20 years ago, by the way, just so you know. I was on the baseball team, and I remember a particular day uh, when I was, I was, we're at baseball practice, and um, we're, we're practicing, and all of a sudden, it was a hot spring day, much like today outside. (laughs) You're right, I wish. It was really hot spring day, and all of a sudden, this nice, cool breeze blew in, which felt really good until it started just downpouring on us in the blink of an eye. We couldn't even get inside the school before the storm happened. Like, it was just lightning thunder. It was pouring. It, was, it felt really good, but we're trying to get inside to safety, to, to refuge, right? So we're trying to get inside, and um, storms just happen so quickly, and that's that's much like the squall that, that's happening here. That's much like, like this very scenario. And so, so oftentimes when storms happen, and not that particular storm. I've never been in a storm that I felt like I was going to die. But I've been on an airplane with turbulence, and every single boat, every single bump that hit, we're going to die. 
<laughs> oh no. Like you feel like it's unsafe. Because storms, especially storms that happen so quickly, can make us feel unsafe. And the disciples and Jesus, uh, Jesus' friends, closest friends, they were the same way. It says in verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Yeah, you read that right. His friends feel like they're going to die, and he is in the stern, sleeping, taking a little cat nap. His disciples woke him up, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And then he looked at his disciples. And here's the question. I want you to say it with me. Will you say it with me? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. And he asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, that for every person that finds himself in a storm today, Lord, that we just have a simple question for them. Why are you so afraid? I've got this. And so, God, I pray that as we look at our fear, that we would find a way to trust you. To trust you that you've got it. To trust you that there's a purpose for it. But we ask you to bless this time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So storms don't take long to develop. At the Sea of Galilee, many experts believe because it's 680 feet below sea level. And it's surrounded by mountains. Many people believe that because of its setting, that a storm could pop up at any moment. But I want you to know this storm didn't surprise Jesus. He knew exactly what was going on. The truth of the matter is, is that life comes at you fast, right? So much so that a few years ago, nationwide, actually... Uh, before they paid the big bucks for Peyton Manning to sing their jingle, they actually had a slogan that said, life happens fast. Maybe you remember this commercial. Take a look. So just picture with me, people talking. There we go. Yes! Huh. fast when it does <laughs> that was such a great commercial so much better than Peyton Manning life happens so fast that poor lady oh man it gets me every single time too but the truth of the matter is when life happens fast, we wish it were that funny. But for that poor, poor gal in that car, it wasn't too funny. Because the storms in life, they suck. They, they, they do. Storms in life 
when they happen, are difficult. So today my focus, or, or, or so what, what happens is, is that, that like in the middle of this storm, like we, can, we, we tend to focus on everything that's going, around, going on in our life until we get this storm in our life. And the storm is like our, our intense focus until we get to church. And then we get to church and we're like, I better fake it till I make it. I'm just going to make sure everyone knows that I am not going, there is no storm going on right now. I did not just yell at my wife this morning before I got here. I didn't yell at my kids before I got here. There is no stress in my life. I'm going to fake it till I make it and make sure that everyone thinks that my life is perfect. I don't, why, why is that? Why do we, why do we think that when we step into church, I know this is a high school. Maybe it's a little easier. I hope it's a little easier. But we're in church this morning. And all of a sudden, we think we have to be perfect. We think that we have to act like everything's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know we know it's not okay. And that's all right. It doesn't have to be perfect. Your life doesn't have to be perfect. But we tend to think that we have to fake it till we make it. This church is the last place that we want to run to to hide from our storm. I want you to know today that if you're going through a tough storm, at the conclusion of every service, we have people that come to these steps. They're part of our prayer team. And they are here. They're, they're here to help carry your storm to the one that's in control of it. They're here to pray with you. They're here to care for you. And if there's anything that the church as a whole can help you with, they let me know. Pastor Adams, I prayed with someone today that their electric is about electricity is about to be turned off. Okay, what can we do about that? Like, like they're here to help you. We're here to help you. We're here to help carry you to Jesus as your refuge. That's why we're here. But if you're going to fake it so you make it, we can't help. We need each other. And so today I just want to give you two things that when you're in a storm that you can always rely on. Two things. The first thing is, and, and if you have your, your, your uh, worship guide, feel free to write this down. The first thing is that when you're in a storm, you're in a storm with his presence. You're in a storm with Jesus' presence. Jesus was on the boat. He was there. And so oftentimes, storms in our life make us think that God isn't there at all. If God is really real, then everything should be perfect. It's the same, same exact attitude that we have when we walk into church. Everything should be perfect. 
Mark chapter 4, verse 37 and 38 that we just read, a furious squall came and the waves broke over the boat so it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern asleep on the cushion. He is with you in the presence of a storm. Whatever you're going through, he is with you. I think a lot of Christians' problems these days, we seem to think that, well, I gave Jesus my heart, so everything's going to be perfect. I wish I could tell you that's true. But in our vision statement, again, it's not that when we make Jesus our refuge that there will be no storms in our lives. It's that we will not be overtaken by the storms of our life. Having Jesus in the boat does not mean that the storm isn't going to rock you. Having Jesus in the boat means that the, the storm is not going to sink you. Having Jesus in the boat doesn't mean that the storm isn't going to rock you. It means that it's not going to sink you. You can put that on repeat. Jesus said, in his, in, at another time in his ministry, he said, In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. So often, I want to talk just a moment about this misconception that everything has to be perfect when we give our hearts to Jesus. But so oftentimes, when we cross over from darkness into light, we cross over from darkness into light, what happens is darkness often chases us. Ladies and gentlemen, the Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. When we give Jesus our heart, it's only the beginning. Darkness oftentimes follows us when we cross over into light because we have a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy that wants to keep us from the abundant life that God has for us. So that darkness, it's going to follow us. It's going to attack us. It's going to make us feel like like we are overwhelmed, but when Jesus is the center of it, you never have to be overtaken by it. Wow, Pastor Adam, you're really doing a great job of convincing people to give their hearts to Jesus today. Do you want me to tell the truth? I want, I want to tell the truth. And it's hard. When you give Jesus your life, it is hard. Studies have shown that um, many times when you have a living creature living in your home, that you actually live longer. It can be um, an in-law. <laughs> Seriously. It can be a, a plant. It can be a fish. It can be a dog. I don't think it can be a cat. But when you have a living creature living inside in, in, in your house, it helps you live longer. And so what happens 
is we get attacked by these storms of our lives. And I say we get attacked. I mean, storms just happen. And in the presence of a storm, when we are able to live calm, cool, collected, and we're able to know that Jesus is the center of it, that Jesus is in control. And when people come to us and they say, how in the world are you so calm? Don't you realize what is going on in your life? And in that moment, we can say, it's because I have someone living in my house that helps it be so much better. That helps me get through this storm. Never let the presence of God, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. I messed that up, so I'm going to say it again. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Just because we have storms doesn't mean that God does not exist. In fact, I would argue that because we have storms, it does mean that God does exist. Because when you're in a storm, he's with you. He's on your boat. He's in your job. He's in your marriage. He's in your relationship with your kids. He's in your relationship with your ex-wife, because we know that those can cause a lot of storms. I don't have one, but I imagine. He's in, the, he's in whatever it is that is the source of your storm. He's in there. He's with you. His presence is with you. Don't ever allow the presence of a storm to allow you to doubt the presence of God. Whatever you're going through, I want you to know that he is there. The second thing that you can know for sure when you're going through a storm is, number one, you are in his presence. Number two is there is a purpose. There's a purpose. You're in a storm for his purpose. We often like to say, people like to say, that everything happens for a reason. Many of you have probably even said that. Some of you may not even believe in God, and you've probably said that. Everything happens for a reason. I want you to know this morning, that's correct. Everything does happen for a reason, and it's His reason. It's God's reason. There is a purpose for it. And so, let's look back to our story. In verse 35, Jesus said to His disciples, let's go over to the other side. I love this part of the story. Because he says, let's go over to the other side. Because he knows that the storm's going to happen. It doesn't surprise him. Why does he say, let's go to the other side, if he knows that there's going to be a storm? It's because he knew what was waiting for them over there. And that there was a man over there that needed their help. A man that was tormented by an evil spirit. He was possessed by by a demon, and he needed Jesus to go over and to help him. But he also knew that going there, that getting to the other side, that there would be a storm. Because there was a purpose in it. So this is true. The disciples are not in this storm because they are out of God's will. They are in a storm because they are in 
God's will. So wait, Pastor Adam, what you're saying is, is that God, God caused the storm? Let's not get wrapped up on if God causes storms in our lives or if he allows storms in our lives. I wish I could tell you that I know the answer to that. But the last time I checked, I wasn't, I'm not sovereign, meaning that I'm not in control. I don't, I don't know, I, don't, I can't understand God's sovereignty because I'm not God and I'm not sovereign. All I know is that in the storm that I'm in, that there is a purpose for it. And that he is working inside of me because of that storm. If he caused it or if he allowed it, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to blame him. Because what he is doing inside of me is doing something. It's working for good. That's why James, Jesus' brother, is able to say this in James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face various trials. So whenever you face trials so many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. First of all, let's acknowledge just how crazy James is for writing this. Consider it pure joy when you face various trials. I want what he was smoking. Like, seriously. Consider it pure joy when we face difficulties. Be happy when we go through a storm. James was crazy. But watch what he says, why we consider it pure joy. Why? I was never a good test taker in school. Never. Like, I could study and study and study some more. But I was never good at taking tests because I would always rush through them. I would always rush to get through the end. And so I would turn in my paper and I would oftentimes, many, many times, fail miserably. Because I wasn't a good test taker. It wasn't until college that I finally realized that I needed to take my time when I take tests. It's amazing that I got to college and it's amazing I got through college. The same is true in our lives. We cannot rush through the storms of our lives. We cannot rush through the test of our lives because they're doing something. And what they are doing is they are producing perseverance. And perseverance always leads us to maturity. It always leads us to maturity. The trying of our faith produces patience, and patience produces maturity. Can I get real for a second? Like, real, real. As if I haven't gotten it already. I absolutely love our church. Love it so much. Like, I love how it's taking shape, and how culture is being built, and how we're infusing DNA that, that we believe that a healthy church should have. I absolutely love it. And um, one of the realities about our church is that um, when we start a new church, 
when you started church, so oftentimes people that aren't used to going to church come. Um, Pastor author Tim Keller says that church planning is the most effective way to reach the unchurched. Church planning is the most effective way to reach the unchurched. I could, I could prove him true by simply taking a poll this morning and ask you, how many of you went to church prior to the refuge being started? I'm not going to ask you that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But my guess is that many of you were probably sitting at home on Sunday before the refuge came. You were unchurched. And so Keller says that church planning is the most effective way to reach the unchurched. And people have had their lives changed as a result of the refuge church. And because of that, we've seen many what I would call young believers, people that are just new to this whole Jesus thing. People that are coming and getting their lives changed and, and having their lives changed and, 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 and impacted for Jesus. And we have a lot of young believers as a result. And I am so thankful for young believers. That's why I started a church. I didn't start a church, no offense. I didn't start a church for Christians. I started a church for people that were far from Jesus. This is a rescue mission. Rescuing people that are far from God. That's why we're here. And so, as we have young believers, we also have some mature believers. Some people that have been through some storms. Some people that have gone through the storms of life and, and they're mature as a result of those storms. But if, if it's true that we have young believers that, are, that, were, that were very recently far from God, that means that there are a whole lot of storms that are about to come. And that means that we need believers that, are, that would consider themselves mature, that have been through those storms, so that they can help us get through the storms that they've already experienced. A church that is growing and maturing in Jesus will face storms. Because... The trying of our faith produces patience, and patience produces maturity. That's a hard word, but I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. There are storms that happen in our lives, but those storms are good because there is a purpose and because he is with us. Verse 39, look and see what happens. So Jesus gets up. He rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves, they obey him. 
First of all, I love the word rebuked. Jesus put the wind in time out. How cool is that? He yelled at the wind. And the wind listened. And as a result, his disciples that were supposed to be the men that were closest to him were terrified. And here's why. They were terrified because up until this point, Jesus had only been their teacher. Up until this point, he was only their teacher. He had only taught them. But you see, all the times before when Jesus had healed the blind and healed the deaf and healed the sick, all those times before, they just thought that it was really cool that Jesus could do those things. Look at, look at what my teacher can do. But what was missing was that Jesus had not become their Lord. You see, they didn't believe in him up until this point. They hadn't believed in him. And so when we face the storm of our life, when we face storms in our life, the way that we make Jesus our refuge is by believing in him. He looks at them and he says, why are you so afraid? Don't you have faith? Don't you, haven't you seen what I can do? Haven't you seen the change that I can make in your life? Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know the storm that you're going through. I want to. I want to help you with it. Because I believe that this book has all the answers to help you with it. But I also believe that Jesus has to be our refuge if we're never going to be overtaken by the storms of our life. And the way that we make him our refuge is by believing in him. By making him the Lord of our life. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes just real quick. We're going to wrap this thing up. We're going we're gonna to reflect on what Jesus has said to us today. Simple question. Why are you so afraid? Is it because you haven't believed in Jesus the way that you should? Last week I talked about how there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can do to make things right with God. It's not us. All him. And that's good news. Because the simple belief that Jesus can get us through the storm is the very thing that will give you a peace that passes all understanding. It's the very thing that will allow you to never be overwhelmed, overtaken by the storms of your life. It's a simple belief. It's, an, it's a simple acknowledgement. All right, God. I want Jesus as my Lord so that I can be in relationship with you. That's it. That's all it requires. Why are you so afraid? 
So then, now I ask, have you had that moment that you declared Jesus your Lord? I was very fortunate to be raised in a Christian home. My dad is a minister. And at the very young age of five years old, I had all kinds of questions. And I went to my mom and I asked her, Mom, did Jesus really die for me? Mom, was Jesus really the Son of God? Mom, did Jesus really rise from the dead three days later? Yes, Mom. He did. I said, Mom, I want Jesus as my Savior. I want to ask him into my heart. She said, son, your dad's at work. He'll be home in 20 minutes. Let's wait till then. Five years old, I looked at my mom and I said, mom, I don't want to die in 20 minutes and go to hell. She said, boy, get on your knees. We're going to pray. And in that moment, I said the very same prayers that many of you can say right now. I acknowledge that Jesus is my Lord. I acknowledge that I believed in my heart. And in that moment, I was saved. So I want to ask you, if you would like me to lead you in that prayer this morning, would you... Acknowledge that by just raising your hand. Say, Adam, I, I don't want to face, I'm going through a storm right now. I don't want to do, I don't want to do it alone. I want this Jesus that you're speaking of today. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? We won't, we won't rush through this. I see those hands. Thank you very much. Anybody else? I don't want to face this storm alone. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I know I've done wrong. And because I've done wrong, I deserve to be separated from you. But God, because of your goodness, you have given me your son, Jesus that died for me, that rose again for me so that I could live with him. I ask him into my life. Make me a new creature. Help me to face this storm with him by my side. Help me to see his purpose. It's in his name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer, the piece of paper that you received on your way in has a place for you to put your name has a place for you to mark that you are committing your life to follow Jesus today. Just fill that out. Give it to us at Guest Central or um, at the box in the back. And we would love to celebrate your name and your story.